Hey, it's Monday's podcast. We're still a little broken up about Bet- about Beto dropping out of the race. He was our guy. We thought for sure. Man, we thought there was an end to these guns. Uh, but apparently, no, America's just not ready for him. Uh, not ready for him. Uh, and same goes for a uh, uh, for a black woman. We're not apparently not ready for that, according to Kamala Harris. Uh, America just won't have one. And that's why, you know, all the Democrats are saying uh, we need either Michelle Obama or or or, um, or or Oprah Winfrey, because they're, of course, not black. Wait. OK, uh, also, Matt Bevin, the governor of uh, Kentucky, is uh, with it. An amazing story from Salon uh, about how I celebrated Earth Day uh, back in 2011. And it is because of my hatred that has caused this post-truth world. You won't believe it all on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So um, we're going to get to Beto here in a second because the morning is, I mean, this, this morning spelled with a U. We're all in mourning for Beto. Mm. So much promise, so much talent, so much bullcrap, and it's all gone. All gone. We lost him, Pat. I know. It hurts. It does. It Deep, hurts. Deeply, doesn't it? Yes. It's like a scar that will never heal. Never. Oh, wait a minute. Mine just healed. Wow. Wow. Okay. Huh. You know what it might be? You know what it might be? What Con- might it be? Kanye. Kanye. Healing the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Could be. Could be. I huh. want to say something to you sincerely. Have you been watching what's happening with his Sunday services? Not closely. Not <laughs> Maybe not as closely as I should be. Sure, you know. Sure. Are you? Uh, have you? Have you listened to his new, his new album? His new album, Jesus is King. Yes. I, I've been trying to get to it. <laughs> but, um, right. There's just been so many albums in front of it. Really? That, like, yeah. What could possibly be in oh, front of that? Gosh, uh, the Chipmunks greatest <laughs> hits. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's out. That's, that's out. I, out. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah that's out. So, uh, uh, so I listened to it, and um, <laughs> now this may come as a shock to many in the audience, but I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly down with rap. Stop it. Yes, yes, I'm not. Stop I'm it. I'm not. I don't even like Christmas wrapping. I don't do it. <laughs> I don't do it. Um, so huh. I, so I, I, I decided to listen to the uh, uh, to the album, and I have to tell you, uh, surprisingly, terrific. I still don't like it. I, <laughs> what? I still that is don't surprising. Like it. Yeah, that's still, in fact that's shocking. Yeah, to me. still don't like it. Still huh. don't like it. Uh, but I want to play something for you. I just want to okay. play. I just want you to listen to this now. Do not, if you're not a fan of rap, which I'm not, uh-huh. try really hard not to just go, "Wow, I hate that." Just okay. Listen to the words here for a second. Go ahead, play this. Jesus, float through us. Jesus, heal the bruises. Jesus, click the music. Jesus, please use us. Jesus, please help. Jesus, please heal. Jesus, please forgive. Jesus, please reveal. Jesus, give us strength. Jesus, make us well. Jesus, help us live. Jesus, give us wealth. Jesus is our safe. Jesus is our rock. Jesus, give us grace. Jesus, keep us safe. Clean us like the rain and spring. Take the chlorine out of conversation. Okay. Mm. Uh, mm. 
Wow. Now, I think Pat and I are going to go in a different direction here. <laughs> so go ahead, Pat. Well, I was just going to say that I need to... Big fork in the road I need to right spend now. some time with that. You know, like Dark Side of the Moon with Pink yeah, Floyd. Like yeah. we, we used to listen to that. Yeah. And, and yeah. just really try to get into the deep, subtle nuances of that, right. of that album. Right. And See, I think I don't it's think, the same here. Right. I don't think there's I, anything <laughs> subtle here. <laughs> I don't think there's don't anything think so? subtle here. Huh. No, no. I think this huh. culturally is like a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, dare I say it? I think the awakening is here. I think the third great awakening is here. The third grade awakening? Great. Because, oh, Three, okay. Because I thought the grade. lyrics were kind of like maybe a third grade level, but no. Right. No, you're saying great. Wow. Wow. Okay. wow. All right. No. Wow. You're... No, no. No, no. I I I I asked you not to you know judge you did. the yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm mm-hmm. asking you this is Kim Kardashian's husband. Right, that's true. Who is yes. saying Jesus, help us. Jesus, heal us. Jesus, change our conversation. Clean our words like chlorine. Jesus, help us. Um, Mm. This could be a big deal. Um, I think, A, I think it's real. I I do too. I think it's absolutely real. Uh, And let me give you, let me give you this. This is building. Uh, over a thousand uh, committed their lives to Christ on Kanye West's Sunday service in Baton Rouge. Now, listen to this. Uh, tonight, I got to experience Kanye West's Sunday service at Bethany Church in Baton Rouge. If you ever doubted the legitimacy or spiritual impact of this Sunday service project, simply look to this incredible shot taken, uh, blah, 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 during the altar call. Yes, I said altar call. Tonight, worship was lifted in the name of Christ was exalted. The word of God was preached and the multitude prayed together. The gospel was clearly proclaimed and an opportunity to respond was given. In a crowd of 6,000 people from all walks of life, ages, and races, I witnessed over 1,000 people respond to the gospel by raising their hands to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Say what you want and think what you want, but trust me when I tell you the Spirit of the living God was indeed present. We danced, we wept, we stood in awe of God's redemptive work, and I can honestly say tonight that I witnessed a new wave of revival firsthand. Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. Corinthians, but God chose the the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I think this is the beginning. There is a, there, there is, and I'm seeing it everywhere. I was in Salt Lake City this weekend and I, I was uh, out for their fundraiser uh, for OUR, Operation Underground Railroad. They've just saved their 3,000th slave. Um, and it it is picking up exponentially. I think they saved 1,100 slaves this year. Um, and there was a feeling in that room that was, was unlike anything I have felt in a while. Um, 
we are working on something that I hope to be able to announce in the next four weeks or so. Before Christmas, I really want to announce it. Um, where we're going to do this thing this summer, but it is uh, restoring the covenant. And we're looking to put it at a place that has deep and profound meaning in the country. And uh, we just have to lock it in here in the next couple of weeks. But we are a covenant nation. And until we turn back to him and say, okay, sorry, sorry, help heal us, and help put us back on the right track. But this is the beginning. You remember, Pat, uh, because both of us hated the 60s. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hated the 60s music uh, mm-hmm. f- f- for the most part because it was all hippie crap. Um, however, there was a moment that the Beatles, I think, really kind of hit first. Um where it was about love and and real love and then it turned to jesus and there was this jesus moment in the 19 early 1970s late 1960s 1969 was the breaking point and it happened at altamont and the left and this progressive evil that was sweeping the the world not just america sweeping the world they hit Altamont, and that was just a night of death and destruction, and lo and behold, in San Francisco, and it just fell apart from there. People repelled from it, and there was this Jesus movement that started, and you'll remember some of the songs from the, uh, from the 1970s, because Jesus became a thing again. But it wasn't a church Jesus. It was just Jesus. And it healed us for a little while and kind of put us back on the track of recovery. I think it's happening now, and I think Kanye is leading the way. Mm. And if that isn't... Could be. If that's what, you know, people were saying, you know, about... Um, uh, Donald Trump, that, you know, he was going to be used by the Lord. I think, you know, the Lord uses everything, good and bad. There is no waste with him. However, I think what you're seeing with Kanye, where he was kind of a broken man. I mean, he was snapped in half, and now he's walked away from He says he's not going to perform any of his old music ever again. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard him say that. Oh yeah, he just said it. I think this weekend or or last week, wow. he said, "I'm I'm done. I'm I'm not going to perform any of my old music ever again." That's really something. That is remarkable. That's remarkable. Here's a guy who is walking away from all of the stuff because if you listen to any of his old music, it's filthy. It's just filthy. Look at the good this guy is doing now. We've been waiting for it, and it maybe this isn't it, but it sure looks like the beginning of the Third Great Awakening. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. 
Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. The man who the New York Times has deemed the most despised governor in the country. (laughs) Matt Bevan is with us with his hordes of hell. Mm. Hello, Matt. How are you? Hey, you know, with that kind of a teaser, I feel like I should be greeting you from the deep abyss. Here. <laughs> you really? Uh, do you your eyes are, glow uh, red yet? Have you taken no, the mask off? No, I mean, day and night. It's 24-7 <laughs> now. 24/7. I, I breathe wow. fire. I, small children are scorched when wow, I breathe. Wow, that is glad to see that you admit is, that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, now, you guys forgot to mention I have this manifesto. It's this crazy document. That I espouse at every turn is called the U.S. Constitution. It's oh, what minds explode! It's what a kook! Radical! What a radical! Oh, wow. So you've got this Constitution thing that you <laughs> yeah. you are trying to follow. It's uh, the old thing I found. I've dusted it off. <laughs> I've tried to apply it in the 21st century, and it makes people's hair stand up on end. Yeah, so um, seriously, they say that you're you're really uh, despised, uh, although you are at least neck and neck with the other guy. So is the other guy just as despised as you are? Well, here's what's gonna here's what's gonna happen. It's a it's a good question. You you know this. More than two thousand years ago, Aristotle said, if you want to avoid controversy, you want to avoid criticism, you say nothing, you do nothing, and you be nothing. And if there's anything that has been the embodiment of American politics in recent years, it's the say nothing, do nothing, be nothing crowd. I refuse to be a party to that. This is, you guys know this. You've known me for years now. This is the first political job I've ever had. I'm not somebody who has kissed rings and backsides in order to get here. I've come here by saying we're going to make hard decisions, adult decisions. We're not going to kick cans down the road. We're going to rip Band-Aids off. And these are the kind of things that make un easy people even more uneasy and so if this makes me unpopular so be it but here's what i know the strongest economy we have ever had in the history of kentucky is right now and it's not just simply things that are matching pace with uh the national trends like lowest ever unemployment we have had in the last four years the greatest rise in per capita income that we have ever seen in history and in fact in the last four years, we have a, highest, the, a higher increase in per capita income than any state that borders us, including states like Indiana and Tennessee and Ohio that have been doing well. And so Kentucky, we're making hard decisions. People are bent, but that's okay. The people who are going to vote tomorrow are going to prove the fact that there's far more that are happier, which gets back to your question. Yeah, we're going to beat the pants off of the guy who supposedly is running against the most unpopular guy in America. How embarrassing will that be for him? <laughs> uh, you you uh, have people, – people are trying to uh, uh, say that you're trying to make this a national election by tying yourself to Donald Trump – um, because Trump is popular in Kentucky, I take it? He is, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's popular in, in much of America. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you, especially in the heart of America. But I remind people, and you all know this, you know this better than most. I, I was elected four years ago when President Trump was not President Trump. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when Vice President Pence was still then the governor of another state. Mm-hmm. The reality is this. Everyone said the same things about me then. They hate the fact that I'm pro-life. They hate the fact that I'm pro-Constitution, that I'm strongly supportive of the Second Amendment, that I think red flag laws are a slippery slope and I'll have no part of them. They hate the Mm -hmm. fact that I respect this country and our flag and our military and our law enforcement. They hate the fact that my Judeo-Christian faith informs my thought process and that I'm willing to say as much from a publicly elected seat. And so the reasons they hate me have things to do that they transcend the state or even the national level issues at play. These things have eternal impact and it bothers people to that end. They have hated me since before this president came around. Now they say, I want to ride his coattails. I'm honored to stand with this guy. I really am. I'm grateful that he's our president, but I won by 9% when every poll four years ago said I was going to lose by 5% or more. And we're winning because we stand for truth. And at the end of the day, the truth sets people free. Matt, you know that the reason why health care isn't done on a state level is because it doesn't work, because states can't print money. And because exactly. you can't print money, you're doing something that I think all uh, governors should be doing right now. And that is going back and telling the truth to people before the money all runs out and say, look, the you were lied to then, or maybe it was just all, you know, ponies and unicorns that everybody was living on wishes and hopes. But you can't get these pensions because the state can't print money. And so before it goes completely bankrupt, we have to cut back. You've actually tried to do this. Um, we actually have done it. I'll be honest, Glenn. We are doing things. I, my first year as governor, we cut our state budget by 9%. Nine percent. I mean, it's rare that anybody comes into government ever, let alone right out of the gate and does that. The next year, the next two years later, we do a biennial budget. We did the same thing, not nine percent, but we cut another about six and a half percent. We've cut most of the fat out. There's still some. But here's what I'm telling you. In addition to that, we cut income taxes, personal and corporate income taxes by 17 percent. And guess what? In light of all those things, last year, Kentucky had the highest level of revenue we have ever had. We had a 200 and some million dollar surplus, Mm. the most revenue we've ever had. It can be done by being good, fiscal, prudent conservatives. These are the types of things that make a difference. It's something we need more of in government. And I'm willing to try to take point. You mentioned health care. I'm trying to lead the charge for Medicaid reform. We've not seen entitlement reform in America since the mid-1990s. And we are leading the charge to say that able-bodied, working-aged men and women with no dependents should do something in exchange for free health care. Because the men and women who bust their tails every day to give them free health care often don't even have health care themselves. Certainly not of the same quality. And so I'm being challenged by my attorney general. I'm being challenged by a D.C. Circuit Court judge named, I don't even, Brosberg or Bozberg or something. And, and so one guy in D.C. is holding this up. But I have had over 14 states now, Democrat and Republican alike, who have come to our state and spent days with us saying, hey, when this gets approved, we're going to need to do the same thing. Because you're right. We can't print money. So we can't pretend that these things come at no cost. Matt, I know you got an election to win tomorrow, but what are you doing in, say, 2024? Oh, gracious. Let's, uh, <laughs> I, I, 
I look forward to being back in the private sector at some point. I love the private sector. I lo- Here's the thing. I love America. You guys know this. I'm a former military guy. I love and respect this nation, but I'm grateful to the men and women who even now lay their lives out there. You look at this mission to get al-Baghdadi. You look at these people that are scattered around the world, and they do this for us because this land of the free and home of the brave was purchased at an extraordinary price. And I love it. I, I served with guys who are dead, who gave everything, gave their lives, whose kids have grown up without a father. And it breaks my heart. We don't even bother to vote. But I love it that we're so blessed in this country. But the danger we have is that our blessings are our, potentially our biggest curse because we have it so good. We really have it so good that we can afford to not care and think that it doesn't matter. We can afford to be apathetic. We can afford to not vote. And I'm doing that in air quotes, which you can't see over the radio. But, but this, this being you know, apathetic is our greatest threat. And if we don't vote and if we don't recognize that of and by and for the people means we better get our butts out there and vote tomorrow in Kentucky and in Mississippi and in Louisiana, but everywhere in America when you have an opportunity to go to the ballot box. If we don't vote, we'll get the government we deserve, and it's not going to be pretty. So tell me how the, the, the lurch or the, the sprint to radical socialism is being taken by good Democrats in Kentucky because there's a lot of there's a lot of good Democrats in Kentucky and I can't I lived in Kentucky I I can't imagine that state going towards socialism no it's people are offended and I'll tell you it's not just in Kentucky but I'll speak for Kentuckians we're offended by the idea of it no question about it it's one of these things where it's so radical I mean, it's important. Let me back up just real quickly, and I'll come back to your question. I have appointed people who are both Republican and Democrat to top positions in my administration because I don't look at the party. I look at the character of people. I want people of good character, people that are competent, and people that are committed to serving. And people of that sort, they fit into both parties. But historically, that has been the case. The National Democrat Party is leaving people like that behind. And they're offended at the idea of socialism. They're defended at the godlessness. They're defended at this idea that everything is free, but they're still nonetheless expected to pay for it while someone else gets it for free. And while we're still heavily registered Democrat, and while there are still far more D's than R's in our state, they are voting more and more on the Republican ticket because they recognize that the values they hold dear are no longer espoused by the party that they've been a part of. Governor Matt Bevan, uh, the election is tomorrow. You're on record saying you'll be, I think, six to ten points ahead. Um, I think we will. Here's the the polls show that we're even or slightly ahead or slightly behind. We're somewhere plus or minus two percent, maybe even. But I'm telling you, I think they're wrong, just like they were wrong four years ago. I think we'll win by six to ten. I'd like to win by ten to twelve. I'd like to elect an entire mm. slate of Republicans for the first time in history in Kentucky. Hmm. Best of luck to you, Governor. Uh, keep thank up, you guys. keep up yeah. the good work. Keep fighting for the Constitution. Yes, sir. We'll do it. And thank you both for continuing to hold the torch and not allowing it to go out on our watch. You guys are tremendous. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Appreciate it, Governor Matt Bevin from Kentucky. <laughs> The best of the Glenn Beck program.
Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Mr. Jason Wright, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, best-selling author, some of my favorite books. Uh, one of them is the Wednesday Letters. What was the other one, Jason, that you wrote that I love so much? Recovering Charles. About yeah, the Recovering down Charles. Down in New Orleans. I love that one, Recovering Charles. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And uh, also uh, he wrote uh, Christmas Jars, which you wrote that, I don't know how many years ago, became an instant uh, bestseller. Um, that was 2005, yeah. Wow, it seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, it's this great story about... Christmas jars, and we used to all have jars where we would put our change into those jars. And tell the story here, Jason. Well, we used to put our change in those jars, and then would use it for ice cream money or movie night or, uh, you know, the trip to Disney if it got big enough. And now, now because of this little book and because of your support, Glenn, you know, you mentioned it became an instant bestseller. Well, sort of, but really because you had me on the air and uh, you read the first chapter. I'll never forget tuning in and you're halfway through the first chapter of the book. And it just, thank you. I just, I I, I didn't want to end this call today without saying you're the reason that we're here. You're the reason we're having this discussion tonight. You're the reason that, that we have a movie. So thank you. But this is about not just a jar on the counter that you put your spare change in. It's about thinking about the needs of other people, what this beautiful holiday really means. Christmas is not a 24 hour event. It is how we live. It's how we remember the savior of the world every day. And then during the holidays, Find someone in your circle of influence, work, church, your community, uh, your neighbor, to give that jar of money away. And it's not just the money in the jar that will change their life, as I've heard from thousands of people since 05, but it is the message that they were not alone. So you have Christmas jars, the movie. uh, It's a Fathom event, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it? You're correct. Yeah, Yeah. it's a Fathom event. Tonight. uh, Tonight, tonight only, as you know, because I know you've had some uh, some events with Fathom in the past. It's a one night only experience. They're so good at creating. It's not, it's not just a movie. It's really an experience for the community to come together and to experience this with friends and family and loved ones. And there's some bonus content at the end of the movie. Uh, stick around. There's about 20 minutes. Some really, really fun stuff. And uh, I, I promise you, in fact, gosh, I've said this before in a couple of uh, local interviews, but it's maybe blasphemy for me to say that the movie is maybe better than the book. It is <laughs> so, it's beautiful, Glenn. Really? Glenn, if you, if you don't cry. Oh, that's um, not a, that's, you, that's not, please. That's, he cries uh, at Kleenex commercials. Seek, <laughs> <laughs> you seek medical attention. I'm serious. It is, it is so beautiful. Um, and I, I just, I can't say enough about Muse, the studio that made this thing. They're phenomenal. BYU TV came in as a partner to help get us over the finish line after 5,100, I did the math during the break, 5,144 days since I took my first meeting on the movie. That gets us to tonight. And thank you. And to so many of your listeners, by the way, so many of these jar stories that have come into ChristmasJars.com, so many of those stories reference, I heard you on Beck, or mm. I saw you on The Blaze. And I just, I'm grateful to your audience for helping not just make the thing a hit, 
but making it a movement. So we we try to do a family thing uh, on Mondays. So I think we're going to go out to a Fathom uh, and find the Fathom uh, Theater tonight and watch uh, Christmas jars as a family. So I'll let you know tomorrow. Um, where Please is? Do. Please uh, do. Uh, tell me what how the Christmas jars has changed because. I don't have a change jar anymore because I don't I don't usually have change because I don't carry money. I carry my 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 debit card. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I actually hear that quite a bit from people. Um, One option is to. um, Well, when you do, particularly during the holidays, when you hit the when you hit the convenience store, the laundromat, wherever you are making some smaller dollar purchases where you might pull a $5 bill out to capture that change. I had a lady come up to me a few weeks ago and, and kind of say the same thing. She uses a, a PayPal card, actually, almost exclusively all year long. And then she goes to the ATM and she takes $100 in cash. She goes to the bank. She gets coins. She puts it in a jar. And she, like, apologized as if she were doing it wrong. And I said, look, sister, there's no right way or wrong way to give the jar away. There's just kind of your way, you know, however the back and back, Glenn, you've told some of your stories about giving jars away, particularly when you had little ones at home. And uh, it's beautiful. It's your way as however your family feels like is the best way to do it. Yeah, we we love it. We absolutely love it. We take the uh, Christmas jars, uh, especially when the kids were younger and, um, you know, they would be filled with coins and dollars and everything else. And you just, you know, knock and run. Uh, And it is it's so fantastic. You know, you find this family that, you know, is struggling and you just leave the Christmas jar up on their porch. You don't you don't necessarily go buy something for them because you don't know that, you know, what they really need might be just a turkey. It might be something to eat, might be something special that you don't know of. So we really like to do the the knock and run with the with the Christmas jar. It's a great great family tradition. And you can watch the Fathom event movie tonight and tonight only. Uh would you just go to christmasjars.com and find out where the Fathom theater would be around you? Yep, christmasjars.com will give you ticket information, fathomevents.com. You just punch in your zip code, it'll tell you the closest theater. It's about 830 some odd, so hopefully it's close are close enough for most of you. Uh, if it's sold out, make some noise at the box office and say, hey, is there any way to get an encore tomorrow night or something? And and then stay tuned because I suspect uh, that there might be other opportunities to see it closer <laughs> to Christmas in other ways. But I suspect I thank as you well. again to you and to, to everyone listening who has, uh, has turned this into something that has been one of the greatest blessings of my life is to see this uh, turn into a grassroots movement that can't be stopped. Jason Wright. The name of the book is Christmas Jars, and the movie, by the same name, happening tonight only at a Fathom uh, Theater near you. Just go to fathomevents.com or go to christmasjars.com, and uh, they'll give you all the ticket information. Jason, best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. You bet. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. Salon.com, boy, they got us. Ooh, they nailed us. No economic system has lasted 
forever. That's true. And I imagine that someday when historians are studying the rise and fall of capitalism, this was just released yesterday from Salon.com, that they might look back at Glenn Beck's 2010 Earth Day meltdown as a seminal moment, an exemplar of how far capitalism created the post-truth society that now seems destined to doom its ability to function. Wow. This is my fault. Mm -hmm. 2010. Though it was only eight years, though it was only eight years ago, we have largely forgotten how far-right firebrand Glenn Beck essentially prophesized the brand of spite politics that animates much of the right today. On his radio show, Beck gleefully shared with his listeners his plan to turn on as many lights as possible in his home during Earth Hour. <laughs> wow, I remember that yeah. very show. Yeah, and to intentionally pollute as much as possible on Earth Day. Quote, I'm going to burn garbage in my backyard with styrofoam. They cut you dead to rights. Beck told a caller on his April 22nd, 2010 radio program. Have you cut down your earth tree yet and put it in your living room? It's great. I like to decorate mine with heat lamps, but that's a different story, he bragged. You know, in our Earth Day, we've decided to turn on every light in the studio because we have some cockroaches to expose tonight in the bright light. Now... That's an end quote. Now, Salon continues. Consider for a moment the kind of political position one must take in order to find joy and purpose in willfully burning something as caustic as styrofoam in one's backyard. It's a really good point. Such an act has no functional pur purpose besides spite. Yet... Beck seems to believe it's his individual <laughs> choice, his individual freedom. He believes or is told to believe. Right by your handlers, your masters. Fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that burning styrofoam mm -hmm. is somehow as American as apple pie. I know you believe that. Oh, deeply. Yeah. I mean. Uh, it's kind of what guides you. This started in 2010, but I mm -hmm. now uh heat my home with nothing but burnt styrofoam back in 2010 and a lot of people were with me on this one i just burned all the styrofoam peanuts i could find and a lot uh, of people shipping like, peanuts I, yeah i yeah. hate those damn things right am i well, right they, they get out they fall all over the floor you can never get they them stick out to your hand yeah, they're awful yes i actually rolled little children around in the styrofoam <clears throat> peanuts it stuck to them and then i shook them over the fire Wow. Sometimes I slipped and I dropped a few of the kids, but that's okay. We got rid of a lot of those styrofoam peanuts. Who knew they were making more? Anyway, Beck, of course, doesn't own the atmosphere. We all have to breathe the same one. Is that true? No. Okay. Uh, hence, hence, the chemicals released in the burning of these toxic synthetic plastics spread across the planet in short order. We've all inhaled their carcinogens by now. 
Wow. I never even looked you at didn't, it you that didn't way. You didn't care is what the problem well, was. But you I didn't, didn't care to okay, look at it. Hey, you're right. I didn't. If future historians look back at this moment, surely they will marvel at what kind of confused ideological belief system could compel someone to do so, something so selfish and frankly stupid. Surely they will. Surely, Surely they, they will. will. Surely they will look mm-hmm. back at this and think, Surely they how will. could somebody be so stupid? <laughs> Yet <laughs> capitalism begat this culture. <laughs> this notion that we're alone and have the individual right to do whatever we want with our time, our money, yeah. our lighters, even and especially if it hurts others. Capitalism to function requires us to collectively deny the sheer idea of the collective good. As Margaret Thatcher once said, there is no such thing as society. There are only individual men and women, and there are families. Well, Hmm. as Beck and Thatcher eloquently illustrate in very different ways, the ideological core of late capitalism is the supremacy of the belief in one's own individual beliefs and actions, regardless how they make others suffer or are morally or factually wrong. <laughs> I love this lecture from Salon. <laughs> the celebration of individualism in all its forms, including behavior, dress, and actions, is in Intrinsic in this epic of capitalism, exemplified in social media. If you take this culture of hyper-individualism to its extreme, one might come to believe that you have the right to do or believe whatever you want. Even if those beliefs are immediately, provably untrue. How dare you! So, so, thank you, Greta. So 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 what this author is saying is... You shouldn't be able to believe things that are untrue? Apparently. Wow. Mm -hmm. What should you do to people who are saying things that are not true? I think you should lock them up. Do you? Do you think that's what they want? Well, there has been mission creep with capitalist culture's idea of what freedom means. Freedom to believe in one's own individual universe. Freedom to pick and choose facts and to disregard those that are disagreeable. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so ironic. Oh, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are now seeing this result of mission creep in the emergence of a post-truth society. We've been encouraged by a marketing apparatus to embody our own individual whims, to buy what we want, see what we want, do what we want, though all of this was just our right. Thus, we would believe whatever we want isn't much of further of a stretch. Believe in astrology. Believe in a flat earth. Believe that vaccines are a toxic plot. Believe that every every leader Trump says is right is right and that all conspiracies are true simultaneously. This is... This is one of the most amazing pieces of lack of self-awareness I have ever seen my slightly shocking proposition then is this what if capitalism ultimately has created its own undoing by normalizing the post-truth society what if 
Many on the center and right believe that postmodern professors, a vague term that I disagree with how they wield it, have somehow perpetrated this lazy relationship with the truth, lazy relationship (laughs) with the truth, by promoting some sort of multipolar view of truth. Others blame the sort of drug-induced counterculture ideologies embodied in, in writers like Carlos Constanda, who, whose literature depicted a reality that was hazy and self-determined. These movements have sprung up from the same font of late capitalism, its tendency to tie individual with one's belief system. You can draw a line, I think, from Milton Freeman's depressingly shadow view of human nature to our post-truth I was just thinking the same thing. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Was it really? Yeah, I was going to say that same sentence. Was it? Is it perhaps the styrofoam that is burning here in the studio to keep us warm? Possibly. That is making you think those crazy thoughts? Very possible. (laughs) You know, it's really sad because I, now that I've been exposed, Mm -hmm. I've been building houses out of styrofoam. Only to burn them down. Wow. Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. I, w- I went to Georgia and I uh-huh. planted a whole a whole field of styrofoam peanut plants. So you got like a styrofoam peanut farm? Yeah, I do. Huh. And we go out there and I have, I, I, I take people from the border who have been living in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And I keep them in the shadows and I oppress them to pick the styrofoam peanuts in the farm. Only to take them then and mm-hmm. burn them and the illegal immigrants. And yes, I said it, illegal immigrants. You are truly evil. Well, truly in every way. We're living in a postmodern world and a, and and a, a post-truth world. world. Yeah, I mean, which is, what am I, mm-hmm. I going to do? You know? Well, this, and you've been caught dead to rights. You might as well come out with it all now. Oh, you want me to come out with all of it? Yes. All yes. Beyond I, I the farm. Purge yourself. Beyond now. the farm. Of all your iniquity. All right. Okay. Let I it took. Out. Okay. All right. I'm going to say it. I took highly explosive styrofoam drones. Oh boy. And you know how explosive you drop. You drop styrofoam if it's from a high altitude. You know what a high altitude does to styrofoam. <laughs> yes. And I took that drone and I was ramming them into the rainforest. This oh, summer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I needed to do something big. I had already taken, you know, those styrofoam things that they pack, you know, livers and hearts and kidneys in. Mm-hmm. I had already burned all those. So there was nothing then to pack the organs in? Of anymore? course not. You didn't care. Of though. course not. You I didn't, didn't care. care. I, needed to, I needed to keep up with polluting the earth, so I burned all of those. Yeah. And then you rammed the residual into the rainforest, into which the rainforest. caused all those all the fires. fires. Yeah. Now, California was wow. my idea, but I didn't do that. It was my oh, idea. Didn't? No, mm-hmm. there's a copycat out there who's like, I hate the environment too. Yeah. And they wanted to burn their styrofoam, and I don't, you know, whatever. You know, I, I tell myself that, that uh, mm-hmm. you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So, Plus, I mean... You can't do everything. Yeah, no. Right? You did the the important one. So I tried was... something new. I mm-hmm. tried something new this weekend. I moved the global climate study, uh, uh, summit. The summit. I moved that from one continent to another just to screw Greta the little kid. How dare you? Yeah. Wow. But wow. now that Salon's on to me, 
again, you might. And as they well have such a good point that <laughs> you know, if you you got to silence, you got to you know, people like me are silencing those who disagree with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm allowed to believe in just crazy things, but they, yeah. of course, are not. Lazy in their search for truth. (laughs) (laughs) That is truly unbelievable. That actually made it onto Salon.com. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.